Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. You can have strong belief in God while walking through doubt. And so we're going to learn to live with doubt and faith. Because I think for many of us, this is, the, this is where we find ourselves. We have faith. Like we're, we're here, we have faith, we believe in God, we trust God, but at the same time, we have doubt. We have doubt of uh, either who God is or what he's doing or why it's happening this way. And so with great faith and great belief, we simultaneously walk in great doubt. And so uh, we are going to learn how to live with faith and doubt. Sound good? Okay, so for the next at least three weeks, maybe four, we'll see, um, we're going to be talking about this idea. I'm really excited about it. This is a a concept that has been on my mind a lot um, because if I'm uh, perfectly honest with you, um, I am a person that struggles to have big faith. Like if I'm just honest with you. Um, I identify with people in the Bible that doubt. Um, I like... (laughs) I literally, I've been doing youth ministry for 10 years, um, just about, and I'm not going to lie to you, I think, I am surprised every week that people show up. Like, I am convinced that every last youth night is our last youth night, and that next week, like it was a good run, it's over now. Like, it's going to be me and a couple of volunteers, and, or probably just me and Hannah, and she's going to be like, I'm only here because I have to be, and I'm married to you. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I just, that's where I find myself. Oftentimes, I, I struggle with lots of doubt. And so this has been something that I've been thinking through, and hopefully we can walk through um, together. So let me just start, and this is my message title tonight, that it is okay to doubt. It is okay to doubt. And uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm one to write myself a hall pass, like, Nate, keep it up, keep doubting. Um, but I'm actually going to build for us a, sort of a theological framework of doubt um, that will help us walk with faith and doubt. Uh, John chapter 20 in verse 24 is where we're going to start. This is going to be our theme text for the series, although we're going to bounce around uh, week to week. But this story we'll probably revisit on a weekly basis because I think it's so good. Uh, 2024 says this, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them. That's the disciples when Jesus came. So pause, Jesus has died and he has rose again. He has visited, um, a woman by the name of Mary. He has visited 10 of the disciples. Um, but Thomas and Judas weren't there. So Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas goes on a journey of belief to doubt and deconstruction to faith again. That's sort of Thomas' journey. He has faith, and I know that because he walked with Jesus for about three and a half years. 
walking, walking with Jesus, watching him do miracles, listening to him do, uh, preach sermons, even there uh, uh, and, and, and experiencing the death of Jesus on the cross. But now his faith has been shaken. His faith has been shaken by the death of his Savior. Jesus is dead. This, he, he lived his whole life following after him. And now Jesus is dead and he begins to doubt have questions, but then we see him get to faith again, right? We see him have actually a deeper belief as a result of his experience. And often in life, we go through this journey. It's not only um, okay to have doubt, but common for people with faith in God to begin to have doubts about what they believe, why they believe, or how they believe. I preached a, a sermon a couple of weeks ago in the sanctuary on Good Friday on the same text, um, a little different message, but similar, talking about doubt. And a woman who was probably in her 70s came up to me afterwards, and she said, thank you for that sermon. She said, um, my husband, we were married for 50 years. He passed recently. And one of the things that I hold on to is the fact that I'm going to see him again one day. And she said, just a couple weeks ago, I was, I was looking at his photo on my nightstand. And she said, I don't usually look at the photo on my nightstand because it's just hard for me. But I was, I was looking at it. And I, I, she said, I had the thought, um, I can't wait to see him again. And then she said, I had another thought and said, I really hope all of this is true. And I really hope I do get to see him again. And she, with her faith in one day reuniting with her husband in heaven, she was overwhelmed with doubt with whether or not that was actually going to happen. And then she came up to me and she said, thank you for the sermon because I thought I was in sin or wrong for having doubt, but I know that I'm not alone in having doubt. And I think it's important that we recognize that it's not only okay to doubt, but it's common for us to doubt. But it's important that we recognize what it is so that we can move through it in the way that God intends. Okay, so we recognize doubt for what it is so that we can move through it the way that God intends. Now, let me pause for just a moment in the sermon and just talk to you guys. Um, this teaching uh, and this series is sort of, it's two parts. Um, one, I believe it's going to help you now. But two, it's sort of like a preventative series. And what I mean by that is I think this is a series that's going to help you later on in life. Especially... Especially when those of you graduate and you end up uh, either in college or in the workplace. Um, because one of the primary ways that we experience doubt is when you graduate from youth group and you go to college. And the college classroom freshman, freshman year is when all of a sudden people become apparently the smartest people in the world and they don't need God anymore. Um, and, it, and it's like clockwork. And so what I'm sort of, I'm reasoning with you guys at a hopefully high level, because I th I've got a high calling for your life, and so does God, um, and so I'm going to talk to you guys like we're mature spiritually, and that we want to do this thing, okay, so that's how I'm communicating, so this, if this, some of this is like, this seems really heady, it is because I believe that we can get there, um, and it's going to help us, all right, so, okay, back to the sermon, that was like brief intermission, okay, we are living in what is called the age of deconstruction, now, uh, everybody know what construction is? Anybody's family in construction? Anybody's family in construction? Okay, construction is building, right? Construction is taking elements and making something out of it. Deconstruction is the opposite, 
right? Deconstruction is tearing something down. In construction, usually there's two things. There's demolition and then there's construction. Like when we built this new sanctuary next door and when we redesigned in here, one of the things we did was demo. Now, let me tell you, I got the phone call for demo day. I got to show up and I, I got to whack stuff with a hammer. We threw rocks through windows. My cousin put a helmet on and had a, a, a razor scooter and rode through the wall um, when we were doing demo. Because let me tell you, demolition or deconstruction doesn't take a lot of work. Anyone can, anyone can break something apart. Construction is something that, that takes effort and time. But we are living in the age of deconstruction. And it's caused by viewed problems or flaws. And the solution is to break it down. And we're seeing this in our world from family to gender to politics to the church and even personal faith. We break it apart. That's what's happening in our world today. But there's a way for us to have doubt and not deconstruct and actually arrive at a deeper faith. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There's a way for us to doubt, have questions or concerns or, or misunderstandings, and not deconstruct, break it apart, or throw it away, but actually move with our doubt into something deeper. Okay, first thought tonight is what causes doubt? What causes doubt? There are lots of things that can cause doubt. For Thomas, it was both his bad circumstance and disappointment. He believed God to be some way and do something, and in his mind, it didn't happen, and now he's in a bad situation. This caused doubt. And for us, it can be many of the same things. One of the things that causes doubt is difficulty or bad circumstances. Difficulty. This would probably rank up in the top reasons for young people to experience doubt. Often, when we go through bad things, notice I emphasized when, it's underlined in my notes. When we go through bad things or hard things, we think a couple of thoughts. Either God doesn't care about me, or God can't do anything about my situation. That, that's, we, maybe we don't articulate it that way, but that's one of the thoughts we think. Either God doesn't care about me, because if he cared about me, he'd do something. Or God is incapable of doing something because if he were capable of doing something, he'd do something, right? And so bad situation, bad circumstance, whether it's, it's, it's somebody sick in our family or I didn't get into that school or that person broke up with me or, or my parents are getting divorced or, or my best friend isn't talking to me anymore. Whatever it is, those bad circumstances cause us to doubt God. And this is a, a, a primary problem for us. When we, when we experience difficulty, we doubt God. Another thing is doctrine. So difficulty causes doubt, but so does doctrine. More specifically, misunderstanding God. Sometimes, hear me out, the things that cause doubt in God is actually what we find in the Bible. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the things that cause doubt in who God is, for many people, especially my generation, millennials, and then trickling down uh, to you guys as well, is what we find in the Bible. Weird Bible stories? Let me tell you, there are weird Bible stories. We did a series uh, about a year ago, maybe two years ago, titled Wait What? And we just read weird Bible stories. And like every story we read, at the end of it, you're like, wait, 
what? Like, that can't be right. Because there are stories in the Bible that are just flat out bizarre. And when you read them and when you don't understand them, it could cause doubt in God. Or, listen to me, not understanding the actions of people in the Bible or even God in the Bible. One of the things that causes doubt for people is when we read about situations or behaviors or actions or, or commands from God or about God, and it causes us to question him. And what happens is rather than seeking answers to those uh, things, we write it off and turn away. And so we need complete doctrine and theology and good doctrine and theology in order for us to. Doctrine is the study of the Bible. Theology is the study of God. Okay, so if I use those words. Doctrine, study of the Bible. Theology, study of God. We need good both of those things. So misunderstanding God can cause doubt. You guys with me? Am I putting anybody to sleep? I hope so. If I am, then good. Okay, cool. I'm doing my job. Um, number three, not only is it, is it difficulty, not only is it doctrine, but number three is disappointment. And I put in my notes specifically parentheses, hurt from the church. One of the things that can cause, is, cause doubt for people that have faith, I'm talking about people with faith. One of the things that can cause doubt is disappointment or hurt from the church. A very common thing that causes doubt in God is disappointment with the church. Either people in the church, like you're like, man, I thought they would be a lot nicer than this. Um, leadership failure in the church. Or even a church lacking empathy or action on situations. Right? We, we, we watch the church behave or walk through certain uh, uh, things happening in our world and it seems like they don't care or they don't do anything about it. And we watch people outside of the church seem like they live with more compassion or more care or more fervor. And we go, wait a second. I thought, I thought God would behave like this. And why, is, why does it seem like the church is behaving like this? And so disappointment with the church can cause doubt. And then the, the fourth thing I would say, and this is perhaps um, one of the most common and dangerous, is disconnection. Or not going to church. We get out of fellowship. We get into a college classroom or around a group of friends. And we either think we don't need God. Or we have evolved past God. Or we don't think about him. Right? Like for some people it's like, it's like oh, I don't need God anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an intellectual. There's no room for God and intellect. And science and, and, and statistics and all of these other things. I, I've evolved past God. Or, and probably more common, is I just stopped thinking about God. My friends and my homework and my extracurricular activities and my job and my goals. I just kind of pushed God out. And disconnection, not going to church, lack of fellowship, not being with the people of God can cause doubt. In your life. What causes doubt? Well, all sorts of things. But difficulty will cause doubt. Uh, doctrine, <laughs> bad doctrine can cause doubt. Disappointment can cause doubt. And then also disconnection can cause doubt. And I'm sure for many of us, we could relate to one or many, all of these things. Like, yep, I've doubted God because of that reason, that reason, that reason, and that reason. 
Okay, so that is what causes doubt. Point number two is what does doubt cause? So what causes doubt? And all sorts of things will cause doubt in our life. But then when doubt has entered the chat, what then does doubt cause? Right now, okay, doubt is here. It's made its presence known. I'm questioning either my faith or, or, or what I've experienced or where I'm going or if God really loves me or if he actually has a plan for my life or why these things are happening. All of this doubt comes into our life. So what does that lead to? For Thomas, it caused him to make a condition for his belief. He needed to see the proof, right? He said, I will not believe unless I stick my finger in the holes in his hands and I feel the wound in his side. He made a condition for his belief. And doubt will often lead us to action. Like I want to find out answers and I want to move past this. Or acceptance. Where the doubts that plague us become the doubts that define us. And no longer are we moving through doubt, but we've sort of camped out in doubt. We've decided, do you know what? The Bible is inaccurate. The church is inaccurate. The people of God are lame. And I am going to stake my tent in doubt and decide that actually what I think and what I've decided is going to be my truth instead. Doubt will lead us to action or acceptance. There's actually good doubt and there's bad doubt depending on what it leads to. Doubt can lead you to reconstruction and deeper faith, or doubt can lead you to destruction of your faith. Um, I'm going to throw up this slide, uh, and the first one is should say belief in the center. Do we have that slide? Awesome. Uh, actually, no, let's do the other one. My bad. Doubt. Okay, so this is, this is sort of the process for, for many people. Um, construction is basically what people call as-is belief. Okay? Construction is as is belief. These are the beliefs that you're handed. What I mean by that is whether it's through your family. For many of you, you grew up in a faith family. And so you were handed a set of beliefs. It, beliefs in who God is, how God works, why we go to church, uh, uh, why we get baptized, why we sing songs, what Jesus did three days later. Like You were handed, and, these, and when we were young, we took them as is. Like, yeah, that's... That makes sense. Others of you, you didn't grow up in church, but your as-is belief are what you've learned here. Like you, you were like, man, this, I didn't know it, and then I came here, and now this is what I believe, and I've received it because it makes sense to me, and I feel the presence of God. And, we, and that begins to construct for you a faith and a worldview. Okay, then what happens is doubt creeps in because you begin to question some of these things. Like, wait a second, Nate preached that. But the next week he preached that, and I'm experiencing this, and I, I, I'm confused. And so doubt creeps in. And then what doubt causes you to do is, be, this, this word I've used is deconstruction. You start to take things apart. You're like, I don't understand this. Why, why is this happening? And you begin to seek and hopefully find questions or find answers. Now, what doubt, when doubt is the center, when we camp out in doubt, what it leads to is destruction. What I mean by that is we completely destroy the faith that we had and we settle in our doubt. We go, I am content with my doubt. 
I'm content with my frustration. There aren't good answers. These people, my professor or this group of friends or this situation makes more sense than the faith that I bought into. And so I am going to cast that faith away. I'm going to move past it. Let me tell you, this is, whether it's, whether it's, uh, whether it's getting caught up in some sort of progressive Christianity that removes the simplicity of the gospel and adds in pressures from culture, or it's, it's some legalistic, rigid, lack of grace thing that you're just like, I do not understand this, I don't like this, and we move out of faith into something else, and we destroy the faith that we once had. But then, if it's surrounded with belief, you can actually go through this uh, process kind of similarly with a different outcome. Construction, same thing, the faith that you were raised with. Deconstruction, questions, that's normal, that's good. Deconstruct, like, I, I don't understand this. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why, what does the Bible have to say about this? And good deconstruction actually leads you to reconstruction, which is a deeper faith. Deeper faith. Let's use Thomas once again as an example. Thomas goes, I will not believe. It's not going to happen. And then he's face to face with the resurrected Lord. And then he makes one of the most powerful declarations in the New Testament of the deity of Christ. Of the, the fact that Jesus is not just a person, but he's God in flesh. He says, my Lord and my God. This is the first time we see very clearly in the New Testament where one of the disciples recognizes Jesus, not just as a good teacher, not just as a good man, not just as a prophet, but as God in flesh. So Thomas goes Faith, I believe it, Jesus is Messiah. To deconstruction, he's dead, I don't understand it. To reconstruction where he says, my Lord and my God. Do you see that process? And all of us are invited into a similar process. So, faith, or excuse me, doubt can cause either deconstruction and destruction or deconstruction and reconstruction and deeper faith. All right, point number three. You guys still with me? Yeah. I'm kind of viewing this hopefully more like TED Talky. Does that work? Like with my slides and stuff, like I got my TED Talk and I'm talking about doubt and it's helping us uh, uh, walk through it. Okay, number three, we'll close here. Where does doubt lead? Where does doubt lead? So we talked about what causes our doubt. It's all sorts of situations or circumstances or experiences that causes doubt. And then what doubt causes? It causes us to re-look at our as-is faith, is what it does. It causes us to go, okay, I believe this, but why do I believe this? How does this happen? What, what is God doing in this situation? And what, is faith, what does doubt lead to? For Thomas, it led him back to Jesus and in a deeper relationship in faith. Our goal, whenever we experience doubt, it should be to get closer to God and who he is. Our goal, whenever we experience doubt, is always to get closer to God and who he is. Dr. Um, A.J. Swoboda, he's the author of a book titled After Doubt. This is, it's this book that I have up here and has really helped me walk through faith and doubt. He said this, quote, We are not called to love the God we want, but the God who is. I actually put that, verse, that quote on the screen. I think it's good for us to see. 
We are not called to love the God we want, but the, but the God who is. The problem with doubt is when it leads us away from God or we begin to remove aspects of God that we don't understand or like. But doubt should lead us into more God or the totality of God or the fullness of God, not less. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I think it might just be Jolie coming back up here, but Jolie, you can help me land this plane. In the same book, um, Dr. Swoboda talks about Thomas Jefferson's Bible. You guys ever heard of Thomas Jefferson's Bible? Um, so you can actually uh, see it in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. They have uh, Thomas Jefferson's Bible. But he actually went through it and cut out with scissors all the things he didn't like about the Bible. So, so you can go and you can actually look at his Bible and it's filled with all these holes. Because there's aspects of, of the Bible he didn't like. Um, mostly miracles, um, spiritual beings, and even the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't like them. And the reason is because his enlightened English mind in the 1800s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, thank you. I don't know. It's, I've, it's been, I've been to school in a long time. Um, but uh, it, it, all, it didn't compute with his intellectual mind. He's like, miracles don't happen, therefore they couldn't have happened. And so he cut those aspects out of the Bible. He's like, I, I don't like it. And it's actually, his Bible is one of the most depressing Bibles, in the, I mean, the depressing stories in the world. It ends with Jesus' death, it's over. He's like, he didn't like the resurrection because that doesn't happen. People don't resurrect, therefore cut it out of the Bible. Similarly, around the same time, um, slave owners removed areas of the Bible that they didn't like. They, they, in fact, this, and, and Dr. Swoboda talks about it in, in the book, and you can look up this in history as well. People that owned slaves, they didn't like slaves having Bibles. Excuse me. They liked slaves having Bibles and faith because it gave them hope and work ethic. So the slave owners wanted slaves to have Bibles because it gave them hope and it gave them work ethic. But they didn't like the fact that God actually wanted them to be free. So they removed parts of the Bible about freedom and even the entire book of Exodus, which is a book all about setting captives free. So, so you go back and, and these slave owners, they, they liked the fact that slaves had their Bibles um, because they had hope, they had faith, and they would work hard but they didn't want them to be set free, and so they cut out, actually, areas of the Bible. You can actually look it up. It's called slave Bibles, and they're missing portions of the Scripture. But the problem with that is that both the slaves and the slave owners didn't need less Bible. They needed whole Bible. Because if the slave owners would have opened up the Bible and read it, then it would have pointed out all of the wickedness and evil that they were a part of. And if, the, if they would have read the whole Bible, they would have realized that, that actually owning human beings is wrong, it should not be happening, and it would actually be the source for the slave's freedom. 
And so the problem was not that they didn't have enough Bible. Or excuse me, the problem was not that they had too much Bible or that the Bible was old or outdated or, 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 or not progressive enough. The problem was they didn't have enough Bible. And if they would have had the, the full Bible, it would have been both the conviction for the owners and it would have been the freedom for the slaves. The reason I bring that up and the reason I want to say that is because one of the things that doubt causes you to do is think like, do you know what? I don't need the full Bible. I don't, like, I don't like what the Bible has to say about this. I don't like what the Bible has to say about that. And the problem, historically, when you remove aspects of the Bible, it does not make things better. It only makes things worse. What we need, what it should lead us, is more of God, not less. When you have doubt, it should draw you closer to God, not farther away. Because the solution, the answer, our hope, our freedom, or the life that God wants us to live is actually being able to move through doubt and into deeper faith. We need to learn to not love or obey or listen or, or like the God we want, but learn to trust and receive and obey the God who is. God wants you to move from, from doubt to deeper faith. It's okay to doubt. We have doubt. There's reasons we have doubt. All of us have good reasons for doubt. But God wants you to have deep faith. And God wants you to move from doubt into deeper faith. And we do that by clinging to him and drawing closer to him, not running away. And so let me tell you, if there's experiences that you've had or if there's, there's, there's things that you've seen or there's hurts that you have or, or there's frustrations or there's questions that you can't find answers to, the, the solution for you is not less Jesus. It's not no church. It's not something else. It is more Jesus. It is more around his people. It is investing into the things that he has for you because it's there and only there we will find what we're looking for. And we might not find all the answers. Like you might, the crazy thing about, about like old theologians that didn't have like the internet is that they would live their whole life with certain questions. So like you look at old theologians, like people like uh, uh, Spurgeon or, 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 or G.K. Chesterton or, or things like that. They walked their whole life with questions and they died with questions. But let me tell you, they were met face to face with a God that loved them anyways. Sometimes we might, we might doubt our whole life, but faith in Jesus will get you through the finish line and you will stand for, and all of your questions will be answered. You will be known perfectly and he will be known and it'll be as it's supposed to be, but until then we walk through with faith and doubt.